0: Hello, moms. This week's guest episode is something that I originally hesitated on since I've been focusing primarily on the world of new motherhood or even going into that toddler area. And I had a woman named Elise Knox reach out to me. And first of all, if you ever reach out to me to be a guest on the podcast, I love that... uh, (laughs) I wish everyone could be like Elise, so professional. She even had like a video of her like introducing herself and she just knew about the podcast. She connected with a lot of the episodes and she was so professional and just great energy from the start. So originally I was like, "Mm, her topic wasn't something I had touched on, nor is it an area that I'm in yet in motherhood. However... Her persistence, like just reaching out and the friendliness. And then I started paying attention to how many women, including friends and members at Spenga, were talking about this stage of motherhood where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have her on because first of all, I need to have, you know, things prepared in my back pockets for when I'm in this stage. And I'm kind of almost there to be honest with you, as well as to serve you all that are in this stage that have children in their tween and teen area. So um, Elise is a life and wellness coach, and she's also a former former middle school teacher who works with teens and moms. But she also says the world of tweens is something she also focuses on. And she, the number one thing that Elise sees is moms who love their teens so much, but also feel that they're at a loss for how to communicate, connect, and support them through this phase of life while also taking care of themselves. This time of life for moms can feel very isolating and alone because women don't want to share their struggles for fear of other people judging them or their teens or tweens requesting privacy. Elise shares some of her favorite tips in this episode for staying connected to ourselves and the tweens and teens of our lives. And I'm sure you already know how important it is to take good care of your own mental health throughout all this and keep the communication open with your tween or teen, but it's still really hard. Elise loves supporting moms of tweens and teens with communication, boundaries, values, confidence, self-leadership, and so much more. These years are a time of pulling away from, uh, from parents, connecting with peers, and trying out new things. And support for moms in this phase can be just so helpful. So I'm just, after we recorded the episode, I just sat back and I was so glad that I followed my gut and moved forward with talking with Elise and sharing her with you. So here is Elise Knox in this week's episode of the Honest Mom Podcast. Let's be real. We're not being completely honest about motherhood. Sure, we all talk about how we hate the sleepless nights, the breastfeeding, how our partner doesn't help us enough, and the toddler meltdowns. But I want to know what's going on with you. I'm Michelle Mansfield, author and founder of The Honest Mom Project. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the motherhood shit that no one talks about, not even your best friend. Come join special guests, mom friends, and myself as we share our stories with love, honesty, humor, and definitely a few appearances from my potty mouth. Let's validate what we're all going through so we can acknowledge each of our own feelings with confidence. Let's start being honest moms with each other. Welcome to the Honest Mom Podcast. So, we are here today with Elise Knox. Elise, welcome to the Honest Mom Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. I'm going to let you take the floor and just say whatever you'd like to introduce yourself to the women out there.
1: Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, So yes, my name is Elise. I am the mom of two girls, uh, six and nine, and stepmom to a 24-year-old young man. And I am a life and wellness coach who specializes in working with teens and parents of teens. Um, And when I imagine when this path of mine started it was all the way back when I was a struggling teen myself so of course I didn't know that at the time but I've always found myself back working in the teen parenting space and um, I just love it I love to connect with teens one-on-one I feel like I really get them I often have parents come to me and saying like my kid is resistant She's really not into it, but once we get on a call, it's usually we can find a way to connect. So that's me and what I do.
0: I love it. I am so excited to put you in my old school Rolodex because, you know, I, I life is so unpredictable. I keep thinking, I remember when Brooklyn was two and, you know, the terrible twos, you know, little stigma that we get and I'm telling my mom like, oh, we even had a terrible twos thing. She's been great. And my mom's like, well, I hate to break this to you, but when you were two, it was amazing. She's like, it was three. That was a challenge for mm-hmm. us and you especially. And I'm like, oh, and she's like, I think you were just like, learning how to talk more. You just became a little bit more independent. You knew you you wanted to say things, but didn't know how to. Um, and that was frustrating for you. And so I said, you know, you sit there and you're like, oh, whatever day by day. And then the minute I swear when she turned three, it was like, she woke up on her birthday and was like, you know, the apple didn't fall from the tree, far from the tree. And three was definitely a challenging phase. And I find myself now reverting back to when she was two and telling like family and friends, we're having a really great time. I love four, five, six, like she's now nine. I'm like, we're having, a." it's just been great. And I really have to stop and not like anticipate the worst. I mean, what, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's great when we have things in our back pocket, on the bookshelf, just tools for when things do hit the fan, if they do, and just to be a little bit more proactive than reactive, I guess is the word. Would you agree that for moms out there that may be listening with toddlers or maybe curious like how this, you know, this topic affects them, could you address That in a nutshell, that was a long-winded thing. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that you bring that up. Um, Two things come to mind. One is that I'm sure most of your listeners have heard that like teenagers and toddlers have a lot in common. So um, the more awareness to um, our reactions to our toddlers, if that's the phase of motherhood we're in, um, the better equipped you will be when they're teenagers. Um, so there's that. And then also you bring up this point of like, there tends to be this kind of, um, honeymoon phase of parenting that I, I hear other people talk about, and you and I are both kind of in right now with our daughters, my stepson, I went through the rough teen years with him, but of like six to nine, five to nine or 10, where they're more independent. They're not toddlers anymore and they haven't yet become teens or adolescents. And so we can get kind of relaxed and think like, oh, we're in the clear. And then sometimes the adolescent years can hit and they can hit really hard. So the more aware and um, practiced in our tools and our responding to our children we can be, even when things are going well, the better Equipped, we will be for when things become a little bit harder.
0: yeah, you bring up so many great points. I think we we live in this reactive mode. I know my husband doesn't listen to my podcast, but he's very reactive. Uh, we have two. I have two stepchildren as well, twenty four and twenty three. So you know, you and I could probably have a long conversation about that, but. We're going to start out because I have the mom card drawing of the week and for some reason my gut is telling me to just start reading it now. It may or may not apply to what we're talking about but we'll see. Um, I'm drawing from the Inspire Her um, deck of compendium cards and the card is from Mae West, the actress Mae West. Knowing what you want is the first step Toward getting it. So I have something in my mind immediately as I started reading that. How do you think knowing what you want is the first step toward getting it applies to what we're kind of initially even talking about right now?
1: Hmm. For me, um, I what I mentioned earlier, I struggled a lot as a teen. And <clears throat> I used to say to my mom when I was, when I was helping raise my stepson, like, oh, I'm getting all my bad karma out now. And when I have, when my kids are teenagers, it's going to be a dream. Um, and I realized that's not a reality. And so what I want and what I'm, what I'm working towards now is this, the relationship that I want with my kids. And even though my daughter is six and nine, my daughters are six and nine. I, I know that what I'm doing now and the steps that I'm taking and the learning that I'm doing and the work that I do with other parents and with teens is getting me to that relationship that I desire with my daughters.
0: Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. And I think that like that connection of You know, I know we're supposed to stay true and present to the day that we're in, where we're told that at least, Uh, and and I try my best with many things, but I think it's also good, like you said, to kind of look toward, you know, I don't want my relationship to be perfect with my daughter, don't get me wrong, but I would love for the communication to be there, um, for her to feel comfortable talking to who. She wants to like, and I've told her this, I said, you may not tell me, tell me everything. And that's normal. Like if you want to go to your sister or an aunt or Gigi or a teacher, like, but for her to have like good communication skills and be able to just release things. And for me to give her that confidence and tools, you know, to do that, um, we'll see, but I like to just keep that at the forefront. So thank you for your insight on that. I love that. Um, so you said you you struggled in your teen years. is this what inspired you to do what you do now today?
1: Yeah, I think it did though I didn't like it didn't that's not how I saw it. I was a, I um I mean I also think like you know adolescence goes from 10 to 24 25 and I would say that was very true for me so I, graduated college and got my teaching credential at like 29 and, um, became like, even though I wasn't planning on it, I became a middle school teacher. Um, so right in there with the teens. And then when I became, I stopped teaching and had my kids. And when I became a life and wellness coach, I ended up working as a coach in a school with teenagers again. <laughs> um, and so, I was like, okay, I I get it. I see that this is where I'm supposed to be. And now I'm just fully embracing it. But I feel like it took some time for me to, and to really understand like, oh, why, why I work well with them, why I understand them. And it is because I can still feel all those feelings. So it's so close to me, even though it's pretty far away.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you have a strong sense of empathy um, yeah. A lot with your hands on training. I mean, oh my gosh, middle school. I have um, a friend who's a middle school teacher, and she's just, she gives me some realities of how middle school is nowadays. And it was challenging for us, you know, like in me and, and stuff, stuff I don't remember, I'm sure. But, you know, there's so much pressure out there for, for these kids. Um, we don't have to go into detail about it. We all out there know that, especially these last two years almost three, I feel like it's going to come up on. Um, and, you know, I don't know if parents know what to do a lot of times, nor it's, it's okay if they don't. Like, I didn't go to school or I don't have the education and credentials and I haven't read, you know, 600 books on it. Sometimes you're just in the thick of something like early motherhood and you're Googling or you're just, you're asking your friends or you're just venting. And um, I find that a lot with people, like some of my friends or even, People, I work at a fitness studio and sometimes a a member that I'm close with will say, I just don't know what to do. And, um, you know, they look lost. And so it's so great that people like you are out there to help people. Um, I want to focus on one thing that I have a challenge on. So I always say to Brooklyn, if we're thinking it or even like it's in our mind at all, (laughs) <laughs> There's so many people out there that are probably feeling the same way. So it's so good to talk about it, but the word, the word control. Um, so I'm, you and I um, kind of connected earlier, how I'm getting my yoga teacher training. You're certified in yoga where I've lately been learning about this word a lot and how it may impact Brooklyn as well as my other relationships. Can you dive a little deeper into releasing control or what, which, what should we even do, um, about this topic? Because I know it's so hard. We're supposed to raise them and keep them safe and teach them and all these, and all those things I think have that sense of control, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, so I'll let you kind of just run with it, what your gut's telling you, and, um, maybe you can help us all in some way with this.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the most challenging things of parenting teens is that when they're little, it is on you, like the control is on you to keep them safe, to do all of those things. And they look to you as the person who knows everything, your your kid. And then also you feel that like they can't care for themselves. And then the transition into adolescence and teen years is them starting to be able to do more things for themselves and really desire to do more things for themselves and question the authority figure, which is you. And so, but you're so used to, especially moms, you're so used to being in control, I mean, or this, this idea of control. So, um, it is really important to look at yourself and the ways that you're like the areas where you're controlling that aren't about safety or anything else. They're about like your desire for it to be a certain way, you know, just like some really basic ones are clothing or hair or makeup or you know those kind of material things or like that they continue to do this activity or sport that they've done forever and so they have to keep doing whatever it is um and to really like journal and think about what are those and then what are the ones that are about their safety and their health and their that are really like you do still need to have some control because the challenge of adolescence is you're walking, you're dancing a line of independence and needing you still. And so I believe that if you don't have self-reflection as a mom of any age, but especially of an adolescent, it's really hard because, you know, you mentioned earlier this idea of like reading hundred books and doing all the things. And I love parenting books and I love reading every, any book that teaches me something. And we are mammals. We were created and born to be mothers if we are female and to nurture and care. And so we have this ability to check in with ourselves and what's right for our child and our family too. And so that's another line that we're, we're walking and especially right now in the information overload age, it's so easy to get off of that. But what I really love to do with moms when I work with moms and with teens when I work with teens is to come back to like, who am I? What do I think is right in this situation? Do you feel
0: like uh, this is what I feel at least or what I and then what I also hear from from other women I talk to is if they don't do it correctly or if something gets, you know, messed up that we have to fix the mess then. So it's like I might as well just do it or do, you know, whatever, because I know if they mess up, you know, like oh, she wants to pack her clothes for the weekend trip. This was a big one for me. Like last year, I started letting her pack for, you know, little getaways. And I had to sit there and be like, you know, I've been there where she's forgotten stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to Walmart, you know, to get underwear then because she forgot to pack her freaking underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that like, oh, I'll just, I have that. Oh, I'll just do it myself mm-hmm. um, mentality um versus like oh well you forgot your underwear have fun wearing pants without underwear or wear the same pair and turn it inside out or wash them in the sink I don't know what to tell you so do you understand that feeling and how moms could probably feel that way or do you feel that way sometimes
1: oh absolutely and that like that continues on with bigger things as your kids grow up you know it's like underwear now but maybe it's like a giant homework assignment that they didn't do because they procrastinated when they're teens and then do you bail them out and stay up all night with them or do you let them be late on their homework assignment and maybe get a bad grade? It's- uh, yeah, my mom
0: did the B. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, I feel like I see and I understand how parents wanna fix things. And like, it's to a point where I have a family member um, who's in human resources, and there are mothers of college students, graduated college students that call the company to make sure they got like the resume or what's going on with the process. It's, mm-hmm. which I don't know if I'll do that, but I'll, maybe I'll put my foot in my mouth, but I'm like, what are, what are, what's different now? Like my mom was the mom like, oh, well, it, this, you have to figure it out. So what makes her different than what's going on right now with this control topic?
1: Yeah, um that's um, or was my mom just unique and there were all we've always had <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I feel like the the example you just gave of the parents of gra- college graduates calling human resources that's pretty pretty intense. Um and I think that that is one of the challenges that we don't we kind of want to stay away from and so The way that I see it is the little ways that you can, you know, let her not bring underwear on a camping trip or whatever it is that you start to do now so that you're exercising the muscle of like, they are their own human being. They are going to do really amazing things and really they're, they're going to mess up sometimes. And it's not a, a reflection of you. It is them as their own human being. And the more we can do that in little ways and show them like, hey, another really important thing is like, no, I believe that you can pack your own bag and that we'll figure it out if if everything's not there. So you're showing them your belief in their skills and abilities so that they're building that muscle, which is one of the muscles that builds resilience.
0: That's such a great point. Um, This kind of goes into the next thing I wanted to talk about. I'm learning slowly. Um, this year about shadow work and maybe how <sighs> these feelings I or any of these mothers out there are feeling, you know, on this type of control or any other things is what has happened to us in our past?
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what's in our subconscious that's creating these behaviors and feelings and anxieties um, and how this shadow work that we can do on ourselves can help us with connecting and raising our tweens and teens out there are you have you touched on shadow work with yourself
1: oh yes yeah so this is another thing that comes up a lot with my mom clients oh good is yeah so like you know our unresolved wounds or trauma becomes the thing that we are constantly like looking for with our children and so for example, I had a, um, love of my life as a freshman in high school and that's kind of funny, right? But, uh, it, it no. felt like that to me. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and he broke my heart in a million pieces. And so that has been one of my huge fears for both of my girls, my older daughter in particular, cause she's very empathetic and just, you know, and so from like, Two, I've been, or zero, I've been like, oh my gosh, but when she has that first, that first love and like, how can I protect her from that guy? And so I'm going into the situation already looking for kind of the worst and that influences, she's only nine, she hasn't had a boyfriend yet, but that will influence if I don't do my own work on healing that wound inside of me that will influence how i am with her boyfriend how i talk to her about her boyfriend how i respond when something's coming up with her boyfriend which leads to her not sharing with me about her boyfriends because i'm too uh, much
0: how did you do shadow work cuz Anyone out there that's not familiar with it, I learned about it on the To Be, uh, it's called the Expanded Podcast um, from To Be Magnetic. And I really, in the beginning, I was a little confused about it, but then I'm like, oh, I think I get the gist of this. And now I, I'm learning more. But like, how do you even figure out if you've got some things going on inside of you and you're that you don't even realize that affected you and is affecting your parenting?
1: Well, it's funny that you bring up that podcast because I am a member and I do their workshop. You
0: are. Okay. We got to talk on the side because I debate sometimes. I'm like, do I become a member? It always comes to my brain. But anyways, I love, I love everyone out there. I'll put a link to the, to this expanded podcast. It's, it's amazing. But anyways, go ahead. I'll let you, I'll let you continue.
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the ways that I do that is through their guided meditations. Um, also my life coach training, uh, course that I did was very heavy on, um, inner child work and trauma and all of that. And it's something that I bring into, um, another aspect of it was called internal family systems, which is another modality that I use with clients. Um, and I use it with teen clients some, but a lot with my adult clients, um, is really going back and like figuring out what that little part of you when you were younger, whether it was like my high school self or my five-year-old self, like what was happening and what did I need in that moment so that I can go back and give that to my little girl self who's still inside of me. But she, she might, like, often what's happening is that part of us doesn't realize that, like, we're not still stuck in that situation. And so really doing these kind of guided, like, going back and checking in. And and, um, and another thing that is, like, if you're not doing the guided meditation, but you're continuing to be triggered by a certain situation um is to go back and like what what does my little girl self need like just asking that question what did she need in that moment what did she need and i do that for myself with my daughters and especially thinking about becoming them becoming teenagers like what did i need when i was a teenager from my mom and from my dad
0: yeah it's when you mention i'm going to interrupt you because um i don't know if you listen to the rich roll podcast Mm, I
1: haven't
0: yet. Okay. So I'll put a link in the show notes. I'll send you on the side. Rich Roll, my best friend Amy, introduced me to his podcast. It's been on for about 10 years. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, I've never heard of it. 10 years. But he sometimes has his wife on. Um, and oh my gosh, like I could just initially tell you you would love his wife. And she was on recently and talking about, you know, inner child and she carries around with her, which her husband, Rich, did not know. They've been married for over 20 years and she carries a picture of her as a little girl mm-hmm. and she, sometimes it's in her wallet. I, I don't know. I forgot what she said. She carries it sometimes in her pocket, um, but she keeps that with her to take care of her that, mm-hmm. you know, and she'll look and, and treat her her own self as if she's looking at her childhood, you know, self.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much in this like conversation oh, I know. <laughs> yes. know, with, with adults, especially, but even with my teens, sometimes, you know, we've like something that's happened to them in elementary school. That's really affecting them socially in high school. And we can kind of go back and like work with that. And, and they're like, Oh, like it feels so much different and so much better because I was coming from that place of like no people are mean to me nobody likes me whatever happened in their elementary school into the new high school I'm a new I'm like it's a totally different situation but I'm coming into my relationships with this shadow of nobody likes me I'm not good enough or whatever the story is and so as a parent of a teenager if you had experiences of being bullied or left out or broken up with or whatever those experiences are, and then you moved on with your life and you're now an adult and a parent, and those things are gonna come up, especially when when your daughter is, is that age and going, maybe having similar experiences. And if you don't go back and kind of follow the string to why you're feeling so a certain way, you're just, it's, it's, you're going to be more reactive with them and that's going to stop them from sharing as much.
0: Yeah. And listeners out there, just simply like listening to Elise talk just now, like something came up in my brain. So like this shadow work, you know, don't think of it as anything super complicated or woo woo or whatever, you know, your, your initial thoughts are about this like at least just briefly and and listeners out there have heard this on other episodes. I I'm a child. My father was an alcoholic. He's since passed. So I have that, you know, stereotypical codependent, like, you know, I want everything also everyone to be happy, everything to be, you know, safe and fixed and like that, keep the peace because of just how my life was Mm -hmm. and also like seeing my mother you know, go from a very financially stable and comfortable life to a super chaotic. We didn't know if my dad was going to lose his next job. And he often did at a certain stage and having like, so I realize now how I treat Brooklyn sometimes of like, figure it out. You know, you need to figure it out, like kind of harshly in a way, like Mm. toughen up girl, figure it out. No one else is going to, and that's me. Oh my Mm. God. That's so me. Mm-hmm. And she's going to end up being, oh my God. <laughs> All right. Ding, ding. <laughs> um, but she's going to end up that. that yeah. I got to work on that because that's not fun. I mean, I, I'm not a cold and heartless mother. I do have a very nurturing side to me, but sometimes when she's got this like damsel and distress kind of thing going on and I look at her, I'm like, what would you do if I wasn't here? Mm-hmm. I've said that to her, you know? And mm-hmm. she's like, oh, uh, and I'm like, now that I think about it, I'm like, she's nine. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. she may not know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I would say like what, when you were feeling like you had to keep it all together because your life was so unstable, what did you want from your dad or your mom? Like, what did you, how did you want them to come to you?
0: Oh my gosh. I don't even know, to be honest. And I'm dealing with it now. My grandmother is um, in her last stages of life. And I've got some people in my family that her her siblings that are incapable of doing a lot of things mentally because of Mm -hmm. how my grandmother treated them. As well as physically ailments and illnesses, where you know, my husband looks at me and he's like, Well, why are you doing all of this finding her nursing home, doing the care, blah blah blah, the finances, selling her house, all these things, clearing out her home? And I'm like, Because no one else will do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I sit there and I'm like, Well, I'm not asking anyone, but I always still feel like I need to be like the fixer and the doer, and people will should see that I'm doing it and come to me and be like, Michelle, can we help you? Or, oh, I've noticed you're doing all of this. Do you need help? And I can do this for you. And I'm sorry that you're doing all this. Mm -hmm. And that probably goes back to your initial question of like my dad being like, I'm so sorry that my drinking has affected you. And, you know, or my mom being like, I'm sorry that, you know, you felt like you needed a, like no acknowledgement, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think teens and tweens, like they, that acknowledgement, I think in any human being is so important. Just even if you can't fix it with your teen, don't you agree? Like just the power of acknowledgement is huge.
1: It's everything for all humans, but especially teens, because they don't feel acknowledged. And it's funny. I was just, I just had a session with a teen client and that came up like three different times. I don't want my parents to punish my little sister, but I want them to acknowledge when she takes over the conversation every time. I don't want them to punish my little sister when she does, when she comes and steals my stuff or whatever, but I want them to acknowledge that she's done it. Mm -hmm. And so it's
0: everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It that just I feel for your who you know, the girl that you were speaking with, because I look back and I'm like, yeah, like sometimes we don't want like something bad to like her, like she doesn't want her sibling to be punished, she loves her sibling, but yeah, just that like acknowledgement or you know, us also saying, sometimes we don't know, and we sit there in this fix mode and they may not want us to fix everything. Would you agree with that too? I'm just pulling that out. Like, I don't like fixers. I think that's why, like, I've said this in my past episodes, I didn't really talk to like my husband or my mom about my postpartum depression and issues because Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I didn't want the fixing. Like, I just wanted someone to sit there and like, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through this. Let me just, do you want me just to listen or, you know, acknowledge, you know, things like instead of, I think as parents, we always want to fix things. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. That's like one of the, when I talk about how the importance of listening for parents of teens, the first thing is to say, like, what would you like from me in this situation? Would you like me to give you advice? Would you like me to um, just listen? Like what do do you want to make a plan? Because nine times out of 10, they're going to say, I just want you to listen and hear me and see me for what I'm going through. And that when we come at it from the fixer, which is again, like we've been fixing for 10 or 12 years. So that's what we're used to doing. Um, then that's push. They, that's not what they desire in that moment. Yeah.
0: And you know what, if anything, I retracted from saying anything when I, you know, and I should have given my, my, them the benefit of the doubt, but historically and still like, it's like when I, I mentioned something, it's like my, my husband and I love him for it because that's just, you know, that's him. And I recognize it, um, you know, the fixing and whatever I, I, I back off and I can see then a teen being like, well, I'm not, I, I don't even want to talk to them about anything. Back off and shut down. Mm-hmm. Shut down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we were talking about shadow work and this kind of blends in the topic and I'm learning about this in my yoga teacher training. Oh my gosh. I mean, the things I'm learning beyond like warrior two is amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Um, so the connection with the self. I think that's something we all struggle with, especially now with how chaotic our worlds are, how busy our schedules are, working moms, part-time working moms, whatever, stay-at-home moms, it doesn't matter. We're all are just, I think we're so disconnected with ourselves. And I'm learning how much that connection with the self and the time we take with that affects how we are with our children and raising them. Can you go into that a little bit more?
1: Yeah. One of my favorite things to say is you can only be as connected to others as you are to yourself. And our desire typically as moms is to be connected to our kids. And oftentimes we spend so much time trying to connect to them or taking them from one activity to another or doing, doing, doing that we forget about connecting to ourselves. So, it will look different for everybody, but that's like a mindfulness practice where you're quiet and you're just with yourself and you're listening to yourself and you're maybe doing a guided meditation or just a breathing technique. Um, I love journaling. I love to do both of those things, but journaling has really helped me to just every single day, like what's going on for me. So five minutes that I'm just really like, okay, what's, and I like to kind of have the different areas of my life that I can kind of check in on if, especially if I'm, if I, if my pencil is not moving and nothing's coming to me, I'm like, well, what's going on in this part of my life or that part. Um, And then just having like, I think as moms, we can often just get really caught up in other people's lives, our kids, our husbands and, forget that like we have to be filling, you know, it's the the cup filling thing. We have to be connecting and filling our cup. And to me, that doesn't mean spa days and massages and yoga retreats, because as wonderful as those things are for me, and this may be different for other people, but when they're done, (laughs) you have to come back to life. And that can actually be harder than just having a daily practice that you're doing to connect to yourself so that you're kind of running along an even, even line versus like having this amazing experience and then almost falling down farther when you get home, because it's, it's hard to come back and reintegrate into your world as a mom. If you have been kid free for a little while, it's like a hangover, you know, you party the night
0: before and then it's like, You look around and you're like, everything's the same as it was. And you have a hangover.
1: (laughs) Mm Yeah. Yeah. It was fun while it lasted.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work and journaling is something I've struggled with. So I'm starting out. And if you have any tips too, I'm starting out small, like right now I'm just doing Monday mornings, like to start my week. And then I'm going to kind of see, because it it was one of those things I'll admit that I'm like, ah, journaling. I mean, I've built a meditation practice the same way of just like two minutes. I'm going to do two minutes a morning for a couple weeks. Then I'm going to do three minutes. And then now two years later, you know, I'm up to X amount of time. And we know that some days we won't be able to do it and and life can get away from us. But um, what do you have for tips for journaling for anyone that's rolling their eyes out there?
1: (laughs) Yes, Uh, I too had all of these same feelings about both meditation and journaling. Um, And part of the block for me was like, it should be poetic or it should look a certain way. Um, And I, my mom and my sister are artists and I was always the non-artist. And so like the way things look, I always felt like my writing or my handwriting or my drawings didn't look like they should. So I got rid of that idea. My journal is only for me, nobody else is going to read it. It can be chicken scratch, like whatever. Um, so for a long time I had different areas that I was checking in on like I mentioned, and I had rating scales in these different areas and that kind of helped me stay on track. So, I had like, you know, how is my business doing? How is my family doing? How is my body? I've had some health stuff, so how's my body doing? And that could like each day I created like what a one through a five would look like for me. And each day I could check in with that. And then I could start journaling from there. Like, well, I'm a three. Why am I a three today? This isn't going well. This is going well. So that was kind of how I got a really consistent practice was having that rating scale.
0: That's great. I love it. And yeah, starting out small, I know a lot of you out there are probably like, I don't have the time. Um, I, I, you know, we all have we all divvy up our time, how we are, you know, do it. So I found like scheduling it, like having an actual time on Monday morning, you know, to do it. And now it's just, it's a habit. It's part of my Monday. And I feel like I can't start my week without doing it. It really, I'm not kidding. I'm not just saying this. It has really connected me with my goals, my feelings. Mm -hmm. I look back on pages and I'm like, wow, look what I've, I overcame that or whatever. And so moms out there, just have a an open mind about it and start out small even if it's a sentence and um it's something we could teach i think our teens as well to to do i try i did that with my stepdaughter when she was in high school i actually just found a notebook of hers that she never ended up writing in because i gave her a bunch of them but i wrote like a little message and it was from like you know two thousand and you know nine and i'm like oh my gosh i'm like oh she never wrote in it but you know what at least she had she had it there Um okay. And we we kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, I love these two things that I have tried to really, really connect with in my life is empathy and compassion, especially with difficult people in my life. I've tried to teach my daughter this with she's had like light bullying happening this year. Um, as well as just difficult people with my grandmother and other things, and I'm sure mom's out there you know, with your teens that you're raising, it's probably hard to be, I don't understand them. Oh, what? So Elise, will you go into this subject of empathy and compassion and how you feel these can really help strengthen our relationship with our teens out there?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the important um, distinctions to make is between empathy and sympathy. And you didn't say sympathy, but sympathy is when you're like, I feel so bad for you. Oh, it must be so hard, which as a mom, sometimes that is, you know, we're like, oh, I feel, I feel bad for you. Um, but what empathy is, is like, I can, I can understand that you're feeling bad, but I'm not like looking down on you. Um, I am just showing up with like, an open heart and an open mind and curiosity and love. And I want to understand and support you through what you're going through. And curiosity is one of the things that can open us and open our kids to sharing more and being comfortable with us in the space of sharing. And so I think that that's a really important and something else that I think is really helpful is to come to to be really mindful of how you're showing up in a situation with your teens like what your energy is and if you feel like you're unable to be compassionate and empathetic in that situation maybe you ask for 5 minutes maybe you say like, I really want to talk about what this with you. I'm really tired. I'm really hungry. I had a really hard day at work, whatever it is. Um, Can we come back to this in whatever time works for you? Because I think we all know like the energy that we bring to any situation has a huge impact on the situation. And if you can tell that you don't have the right kind of energy to deal with the situation, it's okay to say that and be very honest about it and come back to it.
0: I love that. I love that. And, you know, I've had it, I have had to do that with Brooklyn because sometimes my patience is really thin or she caught me like right after, you know, something with work or I'm stressed about something and I have taken it out on her. I'm not perfect in any way. Um, you know, or I've just reacted instead mm-hmm. of really like connected with what we should be talking, like a conversation, you mm-hmm. know, a good conversation. So that's wonderful advice. Um, and, you know, we may not completely understand where someone's coming from or, you know, we, we aren't completely in their shoes. But I always something that I, I was actually just talking about this last night at, at my at work um, where someone was complaining about someone, you know, the office talk, you know, and I didn't want to come off as high and mighty, but I just learn I've been learning this a lot of not knowing someone's story mm-hmm. and giving the benefit of the doubt and not knowing what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Um and that kind of helps ease my mind and at least, you know, gives them a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where I'm like you know, I don't know my teen's story, what she's dealt with all day, and why she is cranky right now, or snippy, or closed off. I don't know his or her story. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you have, you know, that that you agree with, or I, I don't know? I just find it gives. It's not like you're condoning someone's behavior. It just kind of gives you a little bit more of a breather, I think, in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, trying to relate or trying to have the right kind of conversation with that person.
1: Yeah. I mean, it gives, it allows for a little bit of space in between the, and it allows for compassion and empathy because I think even the people that are closest to us, our husbands, our partners, our kids, our siblings, like we don't know, even though those people, we don't know what exactly is going on for them. So I mean, I find that's helpful in everyday life too. When you get cut off in traffic or when somebody's rude to you, like the initial response can be like, oh my gosh, like so terrible. How could they do that? And then it's like, well, maybe they just lost their mom or, you know, like it can, I believe it just gives the amount of space needed to not react and to more respond with the way that you would want to respond to somebody that might be really struggling.
0: Would you say it's hard for a teen to have that empathy and compassion very strong at that stage? You think this is something I don't think I understood my mom or dad and what they were going through when I was a teen. I was just kind of like they, I hate them, blah blah blah, I'm mad at them. And that was that.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean that's a, a skill that gets that's one of the things that's happening in the frontal lobe as as we mature. Um, so for teenagers, like they're, they're just starting to be able to take perspective, which helps in problem solving. And it also is the thing that makes <clears throat> them sometimes think like taking a tri- trip across cross country with their friend is a totally realistic thing to do. And their parents should just say yes to. Um, so, but it also takes time to form. So they're not like oh, wow, mom has like done all this stuff for me and I have slammed the door in her face 10 times and now she's burnt out. They're not, they're not quite ready developmentally to get there. And so we have to have grace with them and we have to allow for that space in between our re our, like the trigger and the response.
0: Yeah. That's such a great point of the biology behind it, that And, you know, I've learned to not to bring up my yoga teacher training again, everyone, but that to my actions, I'm really trying to have actions where I'm not expecting something in return, Mm -hmm. um, or I'm not, you know, like if I do something nice for Brooklyn, I I'm trying hard not to have that like expectation of, oh, she should praise me or be so grateful. And all I should just do what I want to do my action because that's just what I want to do without something in return.
1: Yeah, I that's like hard. to call that high intention, low attachment. Oh,
0: there's a term to it, of course.
1: <laughs> your, <laughs> intention, I, I like your intention is like clean and clear. You're just doing it because you love them or you want to do it and your attachment to their response is low.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's super hard to do. So if you're part of like the clueless club out there, because some moms out there may have tried so many things, or maybe they just don't even know where to begin. Their child like is constantly like mad at them or they're arguing constantly. It's just, you know, where a mom out there may be like i don't even know where to start with my my child um my teen or maybe someone out there too is just starting to see stuff and they're like uh, maybe i need to <laughs> get get myself you know prepared for this where does a parent even start if they don't if they're just sitting there not knowing what to do and every day feels like a battle
1: um, i would Recommend starting with yourself. And because I think what can happen when that situation is occurring is that the teen is pushing back and the mom's energy becomes like really big. And I know nobody can see me, but like kind of overtaking and a little bit needy. And it just becomes this spiral of pushing and needing and pushing away and it can spiral pretty quickly into kind of what you mentioned of like everyday is terrible and there because the truth of most adolescent and mom relationships is that there will be many moments of challenge and there should be also moments of connection where they're coming to you and they had a hard day and they just really wanna hug or they wanna cry or they want, you know, those connection moments. And where it becomes really challenging is when the moments are all the bad ones and there aren't the moments of connection. Because in almost every adolescent that I've coached or mom that I've coached, there are both. And so, as a mom, it's really important if you're still having those moments of connection, not to let the other moments define everything. And to also give maybe more weight to those moments of connection so that when the other moments are happening, you're like, yes, and it's not always. We still have those like really wonderful conversations or those really great moments together. So that's part of it. Another part is that I think it's being the parent of a teenager is very isolating because when your kids are toddlers, you can talk about all the problems with all the people that you're around, like at the library circle or the play dates. But when your kids are teens, they might not want you to share anything that's going on. You might Mm -hmm. feel ashamed of what's going on when they're toddlers. The problems are like, you know, potty training and sleep, sleep, whatever problems And that's okay to share with everybody. But if your kid has like gotten in trouble or is failing or is trying out drugs or drinking, you take that oftentimes as a reflection of your own parenting. And so you don't necessarily want to share. So it's isolating and then you feel like you're alone and then the problems get worse. And then that energy gets put on your team. So seeking support, whether that's a therapist or a coach, or a friend who's not involved in your, you know, in the teen's life a lot. Maybe they live in another state or something, um, so that you can be really open and real, and they can listen to you, and so that you're not putting all that energy onto the relationship with your teen and how it needs to be better.
0: Oh, I love all that. That's such great, such great advice. Um, and going into that a little bit, you know, a little bit deeper as we start winding, you know, things down. um, You bring up, I mean, I don't have a parent of a teen yet. And that is such a great point. Like all the general things that most babies go through and toddlers, like you said, like the sleep you know, deprivation, the problems with like eating and not eating or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But everyone's problems are unique. Then I think the older they get, and it gets a little bit more specific to whatever that child is dealing with. And it is personal. And I thank you for bringing that to the attention, to my attention and to moms out there that like, I like, I do have some friends that have teen kids and I never hear anything. Like I'll hear something that's gone, that's happened, but not from them. And I'm like, they probably don't want to tell me not because they're, they're not my friend, but I don't think I'd want to, you know, like, it's kind of like their kid made a mistake. I look at it as like, oh my gosh, it's, I think he's still a good kid, but that I have to realize that that parent, my best friend may not. Um, feel comfortable with unleashing that, or she wants to keep that private between her and her family. And I should respect that. And that is, that is isolating. So I felt isolated as a newborn mom and still until I started meeting my friends. So who knows what's, (laughs) that's great advice. So to find that like support, that coach, which you're obviously one of those people. Um, we're going to talk about how people can connect with you in a little bit, but before we do that, I want to see if you can if you have anything you want to share with moms out there that, um, you have found helpful, any books, any podcasts or things that they can complement with coaching or therapy that they do for
1: this. Yeah. Um, I love Dr. Shefali, the awakened family. That's one of my, um, that's one of my good books that sits here next to me. Um I also am reading right now, which is um it's kind of a heavy read, but it's really amazing. It's called Hold on to your kids, why parents need to matter more than peers. And um it's Gordon Newfeld and Gabor Mate, and it really is um it's what I love about this book is that it's I'm in kind of the conscious like parenting space. Um, and it takes like the importance of attachment and conscious parenting coupled with the importance of having um a certain amount of power as a parent and uh really the importance of the teen especially teens it can happen younger but it's mostly prevalent in teens to have that connection so you mentioned earlier with your daughter that you wanted her to have to be able, it didn't have to be you, but it could be like her older stepsister or half sisters or your, your mom or your sister, whatever you said. And that aspect of teens having adults that they go to, it doesn't have to be you, but that aren't only going to peers is really, really important. And it's kind of, it it's not what it used to be. Like we used to have all the elders and that's you know, we had friends as, as children and teens, we had friends, but who we went to for advice was the elders and that that's less and less. And so if you're going to your peers, if your attachment is only to your peers and your attachment is not to your elders, peers don't have the same amount of unconditional love for you. They don't have the lived experience. So just that importance, this book is all about the importance of teens having adults in their life, whether it's a caregiver or coach or a therapist or a teacher who can be that person for them.
0: That brings up something. Um, I, I, I forgot what episode I talked, I gave this example. I, and for the life of me, I don't remember who did it. Someone told me that someone, someone told me, um, that and I thought this was such a great idea. They had their daughter's 13th birthday party. It was a surprise party. And at the party were all of the adults and, you know, adults, I'm saying of various ages. And, you know, I, I don't even know how many were at the party, let's say 15. And it was a, a party where she told her daughter when they yelled surprise that these are all the people that are here to support you through your next stage of life. And you can come to any of these people and they all love you and blah, blah, blah. And I don't know what happened after that and what things they did at the party to reiterate that message. But I thought that was such a great idea. I mean, granted, knowing my luck, Brooklyn would be like, mom, what? I wanted my like boy girl party. Like, what's this? But I still think it's a great idea. And just, I think it would mean so much to any child, even if they don't tell you that day.
1: Well, and I think that that point is so important. You're, you may never hear like, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for doing that. Oh, this w- this moment really mattered to me. But I think it's we're wrong if we believe that they don't notice and that they don't still need us even if they don't show it all the time.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're in t- like we are talking about the power of that intention and detaching from the response and the reaction from someone. Um, Do you have anything fun that you're using right now? Any hacks, anything that like moms out there would love to try or learn about like products um, anything that you're you're doing. I, I just, it's just kind of like a fun, and if you don't know right now, that's fine, but I always like every episode, I love to talk about something I'm using or a supplement or a drink or, you know, something that I'm doing that that's kind of off topic.
1: This is so interesting. Um, I looked at this question ahead of time and was like, I don't know, but now I do. Oh, okay. Um, so I, um, take a, I, I have always been a bit averse to supplements. Um, I just feel like I can go down the supplement road and then I just get lost or I don't take them. And then I just feel like I'm wasting money. So, but I do, there's one thing that I take every day, which is, um, it's called Ion Biome and it's by Dr. Zach Bush, who he was also on the expanded podcast. Oh, okay. And it is supposed to, I've had a lot of like um, microbiome, like I've had digestion and joint and autoimmune issues. And this is, it's supposed to be like ancient dirt water for lack of a better term. That's putting some nutrients that we don't get from the food that we eat today back into the system. And so it's very easy, you just like, it's just kind of water that you squirt and mix with a little other water and drink it every day. And I feel like it's really, it just makes me feel good.
0: Does it taste like dirt?
1: No, because it's, you just put a few squirts in your water, so you taste nothing. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I,
0: the supplement route can get a little overwhelming. I'm a hormonal mess. Some I used to be, I'm going through that, you know, change. And when I was reading some amazing books, but all these different supplements to do this and your estrogen, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I make fun of my grandmother for like the pill box she has. And uh-huh. you know, I'm like you could do that with supplements so easily.
1: So easily. Cuz I mean, and you, if you go to the store you're like, "Oh, well I definitely need this." And yes, I need that one and yeah.
0: Yeah. Slippery slope. It is. And then like for example, like ashwagandha um the book that I read by a medical doctor, you know, I had high cortisol, you know, for sure, high cortisol. And then I'm listening to a podcast um, of a doctor, a, a neuroscientist, and Dr. Huberman. Do you what, listen to the Huberman? <laughs> yes, you and I are like on the same page with a lot. And he was saying with a guest that, you know, you really should only take it for a couple weeks and then, you know, kind of just chill out. And, you know, if you notice things, the cortisol going up again or your symptoms come back, blah, 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 go from there. But I'm like, oh, I've been taking it for a year. You know, it's like things like that. Like, why did that book say that? Like, and there was another thing to help you sleep. I forgot the herb, but didn't say it's not like a lifetime supplement. Take it for a couple of weeks. It didn't say that until I did more research. I'm like, oh, good to know, you know? So everyone out there, be careful with supplements, but I'm glad you, I'm going to check out that um, because it's nice when you do find an amazing podcast like Expanded trusted resources out there, but also, you know, listening to your body. I'm so glad that your body is loving it. And I will put that in the show notes too. Um, okay. Closing up where obviously I'll have this all in my blog show notes in my newsletter, but where can moms find you and just reiterate in a nutshell, how you can help moms and teens out there? Or do you help dads too? If there's Yeah. So,
1: um, I do. I do support dads. I just haven't had a lot of dads come to me, but I have in the past, like when I worked for the school and parents were involved, I would often talk to dads. Um, typically moms come to me and oftentimes they say like, Hey, my teen needs help. Sometimes they say, "I, Hey, I need help. Um, it really depends oftentimes. So my teen coaching package involves the family because, what I noticed when I was working at the school was we could make a lot of progress with the teen, but some families weren't involved at all. And teens are going home to their families. So a little different with adults, you have more control over your environment. So I can just coach the adult. but when it's a teen, it's important that the whole family or, you know, the parent is, can is included. So with my teen coaching package, there is a bonus call that can be either for just the parent, an extra session for the teen or a group session. And that's decided on like, as we move through the coaching and I gain trust and rapport with the teen, and then we kind of figure out what would be best with that bonus session. And then I have my mom centered coaching package, which is, um, a little bit longer and it's just with the mom and that can, all that information can be found on my website at which is elisenox.com. And I am right now, I have a communication masterclass because communication is one of the things that is most challenging with teens and parents. um, And that can be found on my website. And I'm working on a like seven days of ways to connect with your teenager. So that's something that's in the works right now.
0: Awesome. So it's, I love the fact that we've been talking about finding ourselves, connection with ourself, the shadow work, uh, control, all those things where you can help, uh, if a mom's like, I need to work on myself too, that you kind of, you offer it all that one-stop shop, which is so great. Uh, and moms out there, I can't reiterate enough that, um, we need to, we need to take care of ourselves first. Um, and, we cannot give the love that we the potential of the love that we can give without really loving and connecting with ourselves and being just you don't have to be happy every day but just connecting to who you are your passions your goals and values in life and you know knowing who you are and i a lot of it's so easy for us to get lost i'm guilty of it completely i raised both of my hands you know with mm-hmm. that Um, So, Elise, I'm just so happy to be able to share you. I'm so glad you connected with me and I look forward to staying connected. And I know that our paths will definitely be crossing again as I become more proactive as she hits the double digits uh, this coming year. Um, So thank you so much. Um, And if you would like to say any goodbyes to the moms out there, we'll close up after that.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. And I think just, I will leave with that, like piece of just asking for support, reaching out to people that can help you through this phase, because it is really, truly one of the most challenging phases and you do not need to do it alone. Yeah.
0: Oh, and quick question. How early, how young do you take for for kids, for uh, teens? Is it 13?
1: No, I have like had 11 and 12 year olds too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just in case I know some
0: people may ask that. I just thought of that myself. All right, moms. Thanks so much for listening and for sticking with us to the end. I felt like all of these things were just so important. I feel like we could probably talk another hour. Um, so maybe a part two in the future, but I appreciate you all staying tuned for sharing this episode with anyone you feel may need it for leaving a review and letting me know what you want more of And until next time, make one small step toward your honest motherhood. Thank you so much for listening to the Honest Mom Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review or comment so I can give you the content you deserve. To learn more, including what I offer to moms, check out michellemansfieldauthor.com. Most importantly, if you know a mom that needs to hear the words you heard today, please share the love and let's create a community of moms being honest for all of us.